Thank you for attending the screening. It's a little presentation about the filmmaker. She was born in the Ivory Coast and raised in France. Uh, she was first known as a writer because she, she won a Francophone Young Writer Award for a novel called La Grande Dévoreuse. Then as she said in the movie, uh, after modern literature and history of art, she entered in the, f uh, the film school in Paris, La Femis, uh, where she got a diploma of script writer. And uh, she directed various short films. So in 1998, it was Le Génie d'Abou. Then in 1999, La Coiffeuse de la Rue Pétion. And in 2000, Gary Cooper, L'Image et le Vent. And The Middle Length, Pour la Nuit. She also writes as a script writer with uh, many filmmakers, including the Beninese documentary filmmaker Idrissou Mouratpaï, the Chadian filmmaker Mohamed Saleh Aroun, and the American actor and producer Danny Glover. Too Black to be French is her first feature. Please welcome on stage Isabelle Bonny Claver. How difficult was it to talk about race issues in a movie in France? I, don't, I didn't find it difficult. I found, I found it necessary because it's an issue we don't easily discuss overtly. Uh, it's like the Americans say, so, uh, a difficult conversation. And uh, even though it's more and more in the news, you don't have so many testimonies, especially on TV. So, and I felt I needed to tell my story, to tell this story for two reasons. First, to help people understand from the inside how you can be personally affected, how you're affected in your soul, in your flesh by racism, because too often we talk about racism as a social issue but it's really, it really affects your life, it affects who you are, it denies your identity, it, deny, it, it denies your, your self-being, and it's extremely violent. Um, that's why you have these testimonies. I wanted people who maybe don't uh, experience racism to have a feeling, have a sense of what it, what it is, what it means. And also, I told my story because um, in France, it, uh, it's usually admitted that, um, how do you say, well, let's say integration <coughs> issues, though I don't like the term, but it's the one that is used, uh, are more due to social issues, because, yeah, it's true that most of black people, most of uh, people from North uh, Africa, people from the, the ancient French colonies, belong to the working class. So, uh, and because there is this taboo about race, so their issues are addressed on a social basis, not on a racial basis. And so I gave my example just to say, it's not, it's not only a question of class, because obviously I didn't have any class prejudices. 
background and the education I received, I should, I should feel totally inserted, totally French. And though I don't feel because it's really about skin, um, especially for, and for black people, it's really about skin. And skin, you cannot, you cannot erase it. You can change your name, maybe you can change your, the hair texture, but you, even if you bleach, you will still be black. Even if, if your skin is lighter, lighter tone, you will still be black. And it's, so it's like, I would say, it's like a stigma. And people address to you accordingly to what they see. And what they first see is a black person. And then they attach to this black person, they attach well, all the all their imagination, all the yeah, subconscious ideas, images that have been built. And they are not innocent, these images. They have been built by the history, the French history. But this history is still not totally told. So people have images, they don't, they don't even know where they come from. <coughs> don't even know they come from slavery, they come from colonialism. Um, that's why I made the film, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because we're in the documentary film festival, why did you choose the documentary? Did you think about fiction or other genre? Or did you think it was more interesting to use documentary to reach yeah. this issue? Needed to be a documentary because you know it's uh, it's reality and people maybe tend to to see it too many times as yes as something as a fiction like you know um, when you when you talk about your experience with, uh, of prejudice you have two kind of reaction many people will say but uh, maybe you too susceptible, maybe you're too susceptible, yeah. sensitive, sorry, maybe you're too sensitive about this. This is like the one-to-one -one person reaction. And then you have the official politic reaction will be, oh, but you, you victimize yourself. That's why usually French politicians say, especially when they're, of course, on the right wing, you victimize yourself, or oh, we won't be Uh, we won't. We won't. We don't want to um, to be told to redeem ourselves. You're asking us to redeem ourselves. Why? Why should we do that? And uh, even one of our politicians who is now racing for presidency, not a long time ago, in said in a speech, in public speech, made that coloni colonialism was uh, a sharing of cultures. <laughs> so that's a, that's a strong denial, and I think that by making a documentary, by having real people sharing real experience, then you, you made a point, you can make a point that no, it's, it's not ex, uh, extra sensitivity, it's not victimization, it's just, yes, reality. I'm sure many people have. Question? Yeah. Oh, to say that. There's a microphone coming. No, it's better to wait. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I want him to run a little bit. <laughs> Thanks. Um, many of the points you touched um, rem 
reminded me of the Swatopit issue we had in the Netherlands. And you mentioned that you um, were familiar with the, the Dutch uh, royal family, probably the society also. So I'm, I hope you know what, what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> do you? No, can you talk about that? and you have Sinterklaas arriving on the boat with black little helps. And um, they are portrayed in a very dumb and clumsy way with blackface. And last week, like every year, Sinterklaas arrived on his boat and there were protests, like uh, every year, the last five, six years. And um, there were a lot of uh, arrest, very violent arrest, which remind me of the riots in France and stuff like that. Or the story with uh, Adama Traoré. Anyway, um, my question, if you don't know what it is about, then. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm aware of that. I just wanted to be sure that I was not mistaken. Yeah, but a lot of uh, militants from the Spartapit uh, were, or people who raised the question in the Dutch society, are told exactly the what you were saying, that they are too sensitive, or that, uh, um, or what you were saying before also, that uh, I think is a key point, that uh, it's, it's very, it's something that you build in your, in your mind when growing up, and a lot of people don't realize that, and I was wondering if you had any opinion about this part of it, uh, issue in the Netherlands. Well, I think it's uh, more globally, it's about the blackface issue, and, uh, well, of course, to me, it's very racist, but also it's very, yes, it's, very, it's part of the collective unconscious mind of a society and how you depict the one that you consider as the other. And uh, I think it's, it's very important not not only to condemn, because then if you condemn, you, you get a counter-reaction, but just to deconstruct the phenomenon and for people to understand why it has racist roots or why it's not accurate <coughs> to, to, to continue to do this nowadays. But I think it's really a deconstruction, so it's really part of uh, like an educative process that Unfortunately, it's not made or not enough. And uh, I think maybe, well, it's like um, due to it's the fault of our politicians. Uh, but also it has to, I think, to see with uh, the identity you want people from your country to link to what, what, um, what, what, what is in the national identity what is the national mythology? What, uh, what do you want people from your country, what story do you want them to believe and to, to give them pride and, and a sense of belonging? And I think it's very much, well, what I'm talking about, it's very much, has very much to do with, do you, are you considered as belonging or not belonging to the country? <coughs> 
are black people, are they still the foreigners or are they really, do they really belong to a country? What, how do you define the borders? The, uh, and when I said borders, I don't talk about physical borders, but really the cultural borders, the racial borders of your country. And I think that's why shifting perspectives is such an accurate title because we're really in the middle of that in the Western world. <coughs> we, we, to, we are redefining what are the borders, what are the borders of Europe with the immigrants, what are the borders in the United States immigrants, Trump, etc. And so it's a very interesting <coughs> time, but the thing is, the more these borders border, because in a way I think that we're in a more inclusive world than we used to be uh, some decades ago, the, the more the, these borders broaden, the more you have a counter-reaction and, uh, yes, and a conservative reaction. Other question? Up here, up here we have a question. Yeah, we can't see. Yes. Hi, hi Isabel. Um, a week ago, uh, the very excellent uh, writer Zadie Smith was in Amsterdam, and she said something that was almost word for word what one of your contributors said, which is that as a person of color in Europe, you have you're encouraged by your parents actually to try twice as hard. And I wondered what kind of conversations you have with your own children about race and their place in the world. For the, for the moment, they are too small to, for this <laughs> kind of conversation. Um, they just, they don't, they don't, of course, well, as I don't exert them to think like that, so they don't think about people on a racial basis. Of course, they see that they are white people. They consider black people as brown people. So they say that brown people, the white people. And the other one, they don't know how to call them. But, um, so, but me, what I can say that this is a type of conversation. I didn't, I didn't have that con this kind of conversations with my parents. Uh, I think many people still don't have this conversation. Whether they're black or white, don't have this kind of conversation uh, with the, within their family. And, and it, we, should, we should have the, the, this conversation. Um, especially, it's very true with the, uh, in the Caribbean, in the French Western Indies, or I would say in the Western Indies, because even in Anglophone Caribbean countries, it's like they don't have the conversation. And it's like it's something you put under a rug because it's so, it's such a complicated issue. Like, uh, do, you want to tell your, do you want to tell your children that they will be discriminated? Do you want to tell them that maybe even if you insist on them going to school, they won't find uh, the job, they won't have the possibility to get the job they want? Uh, do you want to tell them that uh, they will have to work to twice harder than all the others, which I don't agree with. Uh, this is something, uh, you know, um, Penaisi quotes when he said that he had a conversation with uh, President Obama and they, didn't, they disagreed on 
this because Obama said, as a black person, you have to work twice harder. And Penelope Seacott said, why should I? And that's the point, why should I? So I think, and also personally, well, I still have a faith that things can uh, progress. And I don't want to, well, I would like my children to be aware of this because I wasn't aware of that. And so it was so violent when I discovered racism because the tale I was told is that uh, class was everything, good education was everything, and uh, that I wouldn't face any, any problem of that kind. So, but I also wouldn't want to, their mind uh, because maybe their experience would be different. Um, maybe the world that will shape will shape differently. So I still want things to, to be open for them to find their own path. So I think it's a thin line that everybody and everybody has to make his own experience. Hi, briefly. Um, I was wondering what uh, you think about the quota, and do you think we should have a quota policy in France? Well, I always says, how do you how do you cure a, di a disease you haven't diagnosed you haven't put diagnosis on, uh, and that's that's what's happened. That's what happens in France because you have no numbers. So you don't you you can't you don't know you just don't know uh, you don't know officially how many black people there are you don't know how many black doctors you don't know how many black executives there are of course people well they are black so just you look at the skin and you know but there's no official numbers and so then you have and then you have policies that are based on this very vague approach of the situation. Um, and these policies are never, um, they are not uh, evaluated. Well, or we can say that they, must, they are not very effective because, you know, it's still, we still experience the same discrimination. But because of this uh, taboo and this, uh, uh, because there's no numbers, so the, policies, the public policies are not evaluated. So <coughs> just like, you know, we just a very vague situation. And I think it's very convenient for politicians not to change the situation. So to me, it should be, you should have numbers. And quotas, well, there's all this discussion about quotas, but it's really something, you know, it's really something about the mentality because quotas are accepted for women, they are accepted for disabled people. So why wouldn't be why, why would they be so shocking uh, when they address minorities? So it's really a shift in the in the mentality and how you perceive things. Um, you've raised some 
you've shown uh, uh, public figures such as politicians and uh, private figures. Um, and I was wondering, to close this racial gap, um, do you believe more in a, in a top-down um, approach to this matter, or do you believe more in a, in a bottom-up um, approach? tokenism. So you have the, the up to the bottom approach. It's very simple. You you choose one or two persons, one or two black persons. Uh, for instance, uh, a black minister or a black journalist to present the news. And you say, you see, we're making some effort. And obviously, it doesn't change. It doesn't affect the situation of the of the majority. So it's not really effective. And then, so yes, I more believe in a grassroots um, type of action. But the thing is, because race is so taboo, how can you organize politically based on this, based on the racial, uh, yes, so based on race, and uh, so it's uh, it's very difficult, and we see that the, the grassroots organization uh, uh, many have many difficulties to exist. And they are not that efficient. And uh, so for me, now I think that it's to white people. It's up to white people now to make the job and to to really be aware of this not to decide in what kind of society they want to live. Because, um, of course, it's very important that black people, racial minorities, stand up for their rights, because if not, nobody, nobody will. But it's also, you know, it's a, it's a dynamic. And I think it's very obvious with what happens in the United States. You know, I think black people did all they had to do um, still the racial gap is so strong and so nothing will change unless white people tend to uh, understand that racism di directly affects them. It's not an issue that affects the others, it directly <laughs> affects them because uh, and it's really, yes, in what society do you want to live? Uh, do you do you really think that you will keep this whiteness pure for how many times? It won't it won't be possible. So do you want to live in fear of the others? Do you think that it's right to have a part of the population of your country oppressed in for such a criteria on such a criteria? So I think now it's really up to the white, to white people to, 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 to embrace, to embrace these issues. One last question. Yes. Uh, yes, uh, I would like to ask, do you think it's uh, worth in France and for instance, <laughs> in other countries in Europe, <laughs> like Holland? <laughs> So I cannot answer you. 
memories I have from Fall in Love, obviously when I was at a very young age. <coughs> and uh, so what I read, what I heard, uh, to me it's like, well, the feeling I had is that it's uh, quite the same unless maybe uh, it's even less Often or less talked about here than in France, and in France, con uh, if uh, regard um, uh, with the compared to Great to Great Britain, very very late. So, uh, the the small changes that are happening in France now happen like more than thirty years ago in Britain. Uh, Great Britain. So. Issues in France. There are a lot of things happening at the moment. You have a new newspaper called Negus. 
you have a blog called Afro, you have a new uh, TV channel called AfroStream, and so on, so don't read the mainstream media, go on internet, Facebook, and you will find a lot of things. Thanks a lot, Isabel Bonigar.